Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And today we have a episode for you where I am on maternity leave, but Ilaria is having an amazing conversation with a labor and maternity nurse. So today, Daphne, we talked with Katie Verbesey, who is a nurse at the hospital that both you and I delivered at. I've had yes. her for, I believe, three out of my four kids. You know, I have to say the the experience of giving birth was just because I'm the reason I'm not in the conversation fully today is because I'm actually home on maternity leave Um and it's funny because people keep asking, you know, how how has this pregnant pregnancy been different than your others? And, you know, are you nervous for to give birth and all of this? And it's like it's weird. Biology just does not let you fully remember all the details of any process of any part of this. Um, you know, I wish I was more diligent about journaling, but I just ha- don't have time. So could someone get me a third and a fourth hand to please take care of my journaling? Um, <laughs> and a few extra but, hours during the day, please. a few please. extra hours during the day. Um, although I, I was really good for a while about voice notes to myself, which, which had helped. Um, but in any case, you'll hear in this episode how soothing and calming Katie Burbacy, who we'll be hearing from, is. But she is just it's just an example of how important the the great care around you when you're giving birth is. Excellent. All right, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Katie. Silly mommy. Okay, can you please introduce yourself? My name is Katie Verbacy, and I've been a maternity nurse for 10 years in New York City. What exactly is a maternity nurse? So a maternity nurse, so they're maternity nurses on the different stages of your labor. So a labor and delivery nurse, which is the more common nurse that everyone's heard of, is the nurse that's with you during the labor. But then after you have the baby for the two to three days that you're staying at the hospital, you have what we call a postpartum nurse. And that just means that's the nurse that takes care of you in the period after you have the baby. So we help you with breastfeeding and teaching and just all the stuff that happens after a baby that you don't know anything and you need someone to be there with you the entire 24 hours doing all the teaching and helping just make you be less scared. No, it's so funny. You're so stressed and focused on the actual delivery and And nobody has any idea everything nobody has everyone's like no one told me any of this and that's why i always tell your friends or i tell my patients tell your friends about the after stuff because it's the stuff you don't know and it's the stuff that's going to be what you need for after yes yes tell your friends and then they won't feel alone when carmen was born i was so focused on like the delivery and then i was like everything will be fine when she's out and everything is like healthy and And then i'm like exactly now i have to keep this thing alive oh my god (laughs) all right so i want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that you know women will experience you know so say it's my first my first child and i have my my baby and everything goes as planned Mm -hmm. um but what are like really common surprises that that women have after you know giving birth i think one of the biggest things that moms experience is not understanding how difficult breastfeeding is that breastfeeding yes it's natural that your breast produce milk but short of that so much of it is a learned experience and based on how the babies are and how the moms are and feeling comfortable that breastfeeding takes time there's a reason that 75 percent of my job as a nurse is helping with breastfeeding there's a reason we have lactation consultants that come and visit you in the room 
and breastfeeding classes. But I think the biggest thing is understanding that if you do want to breastfeed, that it more often than not can take a few weeks to really get established. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone has this idea in their mind from movies and seeing their friends when the babies are months old, breastfeeding with absolutely no problem. And people, I think as a baseline from what I've seen, is that moms always are going to feel like they're not doing everything right because they see everyone else doing it. And everyone else seems like they're doing it easy, but it's not easy for everyone. So my first experience with breastfeeding is that breastfeeding was more painful than all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, obvi- I opted for an epidural with all of my mm-hmm. with all of my births, um, and I did a lot of the laboring um, until the last one, you know, without an epidural, and the last one I was induced. Um, but I I have to say that those like contractions that you get when you get the letdown mm-hmm. from breastfeeding are like no joke. They're really, really, really so, painful. Yeah. So with, and that's another thing that moms will say to me after is that they're in so much pain. So with every after you have the baby, your uterus has to shrink back down to its original size so that you're not bleeding. So with every baby and every pregnancy, your uterus has been stretched out that many more times. So your body has to work that much harder to shrink back down. So I've had people that have had five, six, seven kids that say the labor the contractions after the labor is worse than the labor itself. I completely agree with you. And that's kind of the amazing thing. I mean, people talk about how breastfeeding helps you get back to your original size. And I think one of the reasons it is, is the contractions that the uterus is having. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll, this is, I mean, this is mom brain. So we get very, you know, into the the gruesome parts, but it makes you really bleed yeah. And, and get rid of, you know, the blood that you need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So every single time that your your body will have a letdown, which is, you know, for those of you guys who are pregnant and, you know, thinking about breastfeeding or, you know, didn't breastfeed one time around and next time. So basically, you know, once the milk starts like squirting, that's what it's called. That's what the letdown is, um, that that is there's a contraction in the uterus, that there's a there is a relationship between the letdown and your uterus that um am i saying this right you are yeah the, you are so the what the the like the science behind it so most people have heard of pitocin that's often given to you while you're in labor to help your labor progress your uterus contract so when you breastfeed after the baby your body releases a natural form of pitocin called oxytocin so every time you're breastfeeding oxytocin is released in your body and it does three things it makes you crampy which is the body's natural way of preventing you from hemorrhaging because here we have pitocin to give to patients after but in third world countries and places where that's not available that's the way of preventing moms from hopefully not hemorrhaging. It also makes you thirsty when you breastfeed because that oxytocin will make you thirsty. And that's the body's way of making sure that you're drinking enough because 70, 75% of breast milk is water. So you want to make sure that you're drinking tons of water because if you're not hydrating yourself, you're not going to get yourself that full supply. And the third thing it makes you do is sleepy. And that, I don't understand the science <laughs> behind that because, like, you don't need help being tired. Exactly. I because mean, there's definitely something but that you watch, we haven't figured out. Evolution has not figured you out. You don't need more thing. reason to be tired. But, like, I'll literally be talking to moms while they're breastfeeding and I can literally see them hazed over and they don't realize that it's because they're literally drugged. Okay, this is the thing that would drive me crazy with that. So after having the baby, you're so tired. So and tired. the baby's up and you're like alone in the room and then like nurses will come and I love Katie because she, like, she'll come and like hang out for like a while and you feel like you're not alone. Um, but I'll be like holding my baby and I co-sleep with my babies at home but like that's like a big no-no in the hospital. You're not allowed to do that. Yes, no co-sleeping. Uh, no co-sleeping. <laughs> no co-sleeping. And I'm holding one of my babies and like you're literally like you you eyes just you close. literally can't you can't because and you're drunk a, a nurse will come in and be like are you sleeping with the baby and I'm like no no I'm awake 
awake, I'm awake. I was just closing my eyes for a second. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so you feel like you're getting in trouble a lot when you're there. Yes. Which is always another reason that, I mean, as much as I, I love my, I actually really love my experience in the hospital. But, you know, you're excited to go home. Because oh, well, yeah. Home, Who doesn't want to sleep home. in their own bed? But I also just want to, like, sleep. Yeah. You just feel, you really feel not, like, not feel like you can't going to catch you every Exactly. Yeah. Nobody's yelling at me when I'm sleeping with my baby in the bed. Um, but yeah, that's actually interesting what you're saying about, and I want to, I want to tell you what I do for my pumping schedule. Cause it's a very, you guys ask all the time and it's very different from what is recommended. Mm-hmm. And it's very different from what a lot of people do, but I have four gigantic freezer fulls full of milk. And then fed the baby on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I'll do with all the milk. Um, donate, but I, you know, I don't think you can donate milk that's already frozen. I think it has to be fresh. Mm-mm. No, not true. Mm-mm. Oh, somebody told me that. I don't. I think to, I'm not positive on okay. this. So I'd have to check. But I think every like there are different people that receive milk, and there are different ways different of doing rules. it. Okay. So like if it's like the milk donor bank, it may be different. But I know that like on a lot of like group chats, there are like there's doulas that like will put you in contact with other people. Oh, so if it's not that, like, well, you know what? For next time, yes. I will remember that because I literally threw out like four months oh. of milk. I just threw it away. I was like, you know what? It's past the six month mm-hmm. mark, and yes. so and I've been holding on to Research it like a squirrel do- milk donation. with its nuts. Well, because it takes so it's so hard. It's like it's hard. I it's, told Alec this time around. I was like, I don't want to push gifts. I don't want. I just want another freezer. Yeah. All I want in my life is another freezer. I, I had need a, to put more milk. I had a this. patient that was telling. We, we were talking. It was I think her second or third kid, and she was telling me she was going. She was like going on a trip to Europe or something. The baby's like three or four months old. They all went and they were having work done at the apartment or house. I'm not sure when they were gone, and they came home. The painter unplugged the freezer. That happened like to me too. In, oh, yeah, no, somebody left it freezer. open. This time she's like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. No, it's That's, it's a, it's horrible. It's uh, like somebody all your left heart, the freezer and work open de- oh. and it was just all melted oh. for like a really long time. That's, yeah, no, but you know what? You just have to say, hey, you know I, what? After the Life fact. goes on. No, there's definitely after that the whole fact. don't In cry that moment. over spilled milk or whatever um, that not saying when is. It's always cry. Always lots and always lots of cry. tears. Um, but in terms of the, the drinking, the hydration, I find I get so thirsty. You do. So whenever you're... I'm breastfeeding or whenever I'm pumping, I literally, before I start, I put you a ha- gigantic yeah. drink and I just like chug it as I am doing whichever activity. Yeah, it's like recommended that every time you breastfeed, you drink eight ounces of water to replenish what the baby's taking from you. And mm-hmm. even more than that is better. Yeah, the more you drink, the better. But at least eight ounces every time you breastfeed. And I found different things. Like I found that coconut water helps me a lot mm-hmm. um, to make better milk. Mm-hmm. So I started drinking coconut water. I don't love the taste of coconut water. So six weeks after Carmen was born, I stopped drinking um, coconut water, and I didn't. I didn't really think about. it. I was like, oh, you know what? I can probably stop yeah, drinking. Yeah, because I'm not going to contract. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's totally fine. And all of a sudden, my milk went down. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't put didn't two make and the two together because you're too tired. Because I was too tired, and I wasn't. And nobody had ever told me that coconut water was good for your milk supply. And then I forget what happened, but I just like I had one in my bag, and so I drank it. And then all of a sudden, I had more milk again. It was really like very very sudden. It was interesting. And then I put two and two together. Um, so my breastfeeding schedule. So what I did, I did it very. Um, Normally with the first one, as one does, mm-hmm. because it's your first child you and you listen to everybody and you do exactly what they say. 
And then because Rafa was in the NICU, I pumped a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't pump with Carmen until she was there. yeah, two until, to three weeks. If, no, I think it longer. was like because I, I went back to work six days after okay. she was born. So I pumped then because I was and I was also doing like a photo shoot and she was around and every single time I had like this high dress on and every single time she would like be near me. She just wanted to breastfeed and like I couldn't like be taking my dress on and off. So like, well, why don't you pump some milk? So it was the first time I pumped milk and she had no interest in the bottle. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. It's like it's the opposite problem that people can get with breastfeeding babies. So my coworker is taking six months off, and at like four and a half months, her daughter literally would not touch the bottle, like pitched a fit, and so she had to stop breastfeeding essentially and start pumping. And because when she went back to work, her poor husband, who was taking paternity leave, was not going to be able to feed the baby. Oh so it's God. like a I know. Isn't that interesting? Because the then opposite. they'll say that some some people are worried to introduce the bottle to them because then they're like, oh, this is so easy and they're not going to want the breast. I always found that my kids wanted the breast more than the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two of my four kids would not take a bottle. And then my other um, and I would, you know, they started having pumped milk like in cereal and stuff like that. Or if like I was really gone for a few hours and they were really, really like wild and hungry, they would like, be, like eventually fine, fine, fine. Like, exactly. But it was really difficult. Every baby's different. It's recommended to not to start off with the if unless there's a medical reason, babies in the NICU to wait a few weeks to give the bottle just until the breastfeeding is fully established, right. just because the way they suck on the bottle is different than the way they suck on the breast. So that's once there's really there's a school I'm sure as you've seen. Everyone has an opinion on everything. Mm -hmm. There's really no right way to, as long as you're feeding your baby, there's no right or wrong way to do things. Because what works for one of your, if you have twins, what works for one twin isn't going to work for the other twin. So you really just kind of have to listen to what everybody is saying and then take from that what works best for you. Because there's just not one way to do things. Right. One right way to do. There's wrong ways, but like as long as you're feeding your baby something and taking care of the baby, whether you choose to breastfeed or bottle feed, like... You're up with the baby at three o'clock in the morning. They're your baby. It's your decision. You're, you're the boss. That's you're the boss. That you don't like, have. I know, and it's kind of funny. You feel like you're like you know trying to make everybody else happy, especially with your it's first one. Your, exactly. Yeah, but like that's the thing I was trying to tell about. So I'm like, because there's so much like, and yes, breastfeeding is great because you pass the immunities, you get all the bonding. But like, if if you don't want to breastfeed. That's perfectly fine. Or it doesn't work out. Or it doesn't work. Or you decide you or want to do breast bottle, like whatever you want to do, like you should feel okay to do that because it's your baby. And that's like there's so much pressure with the breastfeeding. So many moms like say they want to breastfeed and like we can very quickly tell like if they actually want to breastfeed or if they feel like they have to breastfeed. And I just wish it's I wish people didn't feel like they had to. I got pregnant with Leo when Rafa was six months old. Mm hmm. And one of the reasons I knew I was pregnant is that my milk all of a sudden like plunges Mm -hmm. down, like even before I can take a pregnancy test. Yeah. So basically I had to introduce formula to him. Mm -hmm. And it was this idea of like the walls are going to come crashing in all of a sudden. He's going to have this, that, the next thing, sick for life. It's going to be really bad. And he was fine. fine. Entire generations of the 70s breast the formula like. Yeah. And people are fine. I mean, of course, I know as we talked about with with Romeo not getting sick, there are some amazing things with breastfeeding. But one thing I say to women who either can't or don't want to is it's it's absolutely fine. This does not mean that your kid is less. This does not mean that you are less. Happy mom is happy baby. You do what works for you and what works for you is what works for your baby. End of story. A hundred percent food is If you're going to be miserable and it's the worst experience and like... 
then it's not worth it to the baby. And then also fast forward to two years and your kid is at a birthday party eating like, you know, some like horrible food coloring. uh, So much crap. So much crap. And then you were like stressing about everything being super, super organic at the beginning. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's that whole thing of, you know, is it breast is, is, is breast best when it works for you? Yeah. And then if if it's what you want. Exactly. So back to my pumping schedule. (laughs) So what I've learned, eventually we'll get this out. Eventually we'll get it out. (laughs) It's like we're teasing it along the way. Um, so what, what I basically learned is that, um, even though I don't introduce a bottle right away, it, it does feel very free to know that there is milk in my freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, because you have the freedom you to... You have the freedom to go because before that, you don't have the freedom no. to go anywhere. Like anywhere. What anywhere. if the baby needs you and yeah. he or she is hungry and then it's like really bad and you're the like panic. really... Exactly. It's horrible. So what I learned is emotionally, it's nice to have, you know, even just a yeah. few packets of milk there. Because you never know. Because you never know. The other thing I find is that it actually helps my milk come in mm-hmm. to be pumping and be feeding. Another thing I learned that at least for my body and then other people I've talked with who do it the same way is that my body responds differently um, to a baby versus a pump. Oh, for sure. So they always say to you, pump, uh, pump after you feed, mm-hmm. which is very discouraging to people because if you pump after you feed, you're going to be pumping for like a good 30 minutes and maybe you're going to get milk and maybe you're not and you're really going to hurt your nipples. So what I would do is and almost any time that my baby was hungry, I would go and I'd pump for anywhere between one minute and three minutes. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't get anything, but eventually it actually immediately starts to come in mm-hmm. and then I'll go and feed the baby. And the baby would get milk on top of that mm-hmm. because you're kind of, you're tricking your body. You're training your body to it's work a, a certain supply way. and demand. Right, That's, exactly. But if I did it the supply. other way, then I would not get milk from the pump. So if I did baby first, then pump, I would not get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if the baby's hungry and he has to wait a minute, it's okay. It's literally 60 seconds. Babies cry. Babies cry. Um, yes, babies cry. Babies cry. It's okay. Um, one of the, one, a woman who, who has helped me take care of our kids, she says, uh, she, she's so funny. Um, she's from Jamaica and she's like the queen of our castle. Um, and she like, we're all like running around, like trying to make her happy all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's like the funniest person in the world. And she, um, she said to me at the beginning, one of the best pieces of advice was no baby ever died from crying. No. Crying. That being said, of course, if you want to go to your child if and If they're breathing, they're crying. If they're crying, they're breathing. Exactly. Exactly. So, so like when you get really stressed out because your baby is crying, take a deep breath. Everything is going to be okay. And then you'll be able to assess what the baby needs. I always say in the needs. end, you always win. Really? Tell me. Which is what I'm saying. In the, like if babies are crying, in the end, the baby will stop. The baby will You're stop. You're going to win. Exactly. In the, the, end, in the end, it's going to It's going to be not okay. To, not to negate how stressful it is when you're exhausted and you're crying, right. but just like... You're like the baby's crying to tell you something, and like you're gonna. And you start to figure it out. You start to figure it out. You start to say, okay, this cry means that they're tired. This one, they're hungry. Exactly. 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 Um, So, what I would, so basically, with my pumping thing, it's coconut water is a must. Eating, I'll eat like a lot of high fat things. I'm, I'm, I love like different bars that have lots of nuts in them. I'm a big nut eater. Um, Any like lots of proteins. Any kind of like fluid that I can get my hands on, mm-hmm. I definitely will will take it because I'm so thirsty mm-hmm. all, the time. all the time. And then again, I just try to pump really, really regularly. Then people will say to me, "Well, what about 
washing the parts all the time. Like that's exhausting. So what I'll do is I'll pump. And if I don't get anything from them, I just put them in the freezer or the mm-hmm. fridge just as is with like the pump parts. I use the Medela pump. And then I um, and then the next hour I come. And I'll put it back on and pump again. If I get milk out of it, I'll pour it into something. And then I put the, the same pump part. So I really only wash the pump parts one time a day. Mm-hmm. And if you keep on putting them into the fridge, it's okay. And then once I get three to five ounces, I'll freeze a bag of that mm-hmm. of that milk. Um, so it ends up being, you know, teaching my body to produce more milk. Um, and, and then it feels you know, freeing that mm-hmm. I can go out. And of course, you know, I, you want to be close to your baby when your baby is just born, but it allows you to feel a little bit more like your own person. Yeah. That you can not be attacked, not feel trapped. Exactly. Exactly. And it's that amazing thing of like my body will respond to a baby differently than a pump. I've even used before when it felt like I couldn't get the milk out for the pump. I'll put the baby on one side Mm -hmm. and then the pump on On one side on the other. And immediately it starts to let down. And then the baby gets like really pissed off when I literally hand him to Alec. And I'm like putting the pump back on the other side. I'm like, what are you doing, mom? Wait two minutes. (laughs) And they're like, what? That was a tease. Yeah. (laughs) But um, all right. In terms of of you know what are other some some other really common questions that are that are asked postpartum what about like in terms of the amount of bleeding and um and stuff like that so the bleeding can so you bleed for up to a month it's not going to be as heavy it is in the first like 24 to 48 hours that you have usually the first 24 to 48 hours like you can have like decently heavy bleeding we always tell moms if you're saturating more than a pad an hour or any large clots you definitely want to like call for your nurse because at that point you're in the hospital um and then after you go home the bleeding will definitely be a lot less kind of the end of a period but between say 10 to 14 your bleeding will often pick back up and be bright red again which is often scary to moms because they're home and they're like why am i having all this bright red blood again it's normal it's just the body's changing and everything's happening in the uterus but again if you're saturating more than a pen an hour any large clots any foul smelling discharge definitely give your ob a call and even if it's call if you're concerned like that's why they're there as far as stuff with OBs and especially with pediatricians, I always tell parents as they're going home, like, if you're ever concerned, call. Like, don't wait. Don't worry for hours and hours and hours. That's why pediatricians are there for stupid, normal newborn mm-hmm. questions. Like, I guarantee you they've heard the question before and like far stupider. Like, if if you're concerned, call. Like, exactly. There's and you it's probably nothing. But what if it's something? Let's right. call them. And just in terms of your own stress level, you should never feel feel embarrassed that no. you have a question. Like your intentions are, I want you're to take good parent. care of That's my your, child. You're the parent. You should never feel no. bad Ask for that. Ask the questions. They've heard it all uh, before. About the, about the bleeding, we need to talk about the layering of the pads because oh, yes. I learned really great things about that. And diaper I have to packs. say, yes, diaper ice packs are like my favorite thing ever. I learned from my friend um, th- uh, when I had Carmen, she said, you are going to want to buy a very small um, trash can that can you can keep right next to your toilet in the bathroom when you go home that has a lid on it mm-hmm. she said because you're gonna bleed afterwards oh yeah and i had like before like this very like nice like wicker thing that was like open to the world yeah no. and she's like you are just nope. gonna want to like close press it. that button and then close it <laughs> yeah she says and you want to change it many times a day you want to pretend but it's not I there literally to this day still have that little trash, trash can. can there and i think about her every single like you know time i walk by it because i'm like she was right that was some of the best advice ever a close top trash can um so okay so layering layering was like one of the best things ever so uh, well first of all i am you know not that kind of i know that some women are like we'll go to the bathroom together and like 
like at a party and like, oh, let's go pee together. I'm like, no, I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I'm like, I need two minutes to pee, especially now being a mom. I'm you like, have, that's your only no time alone. No one should ever come with me. It's your only well, time. It's no, usually I have like have either someone, kids sure. with me or like they're peeking under the door. Um, but so I remember when I had Carmen and then you go to pee for the first time yeah. and somebody comes with we you do. and it's really awkward and I was like oh my god I don't know like I just obviously pushed a baby out of my vagina but for some reason peeing in front of somebody is real and they're like you know with like they they strain it and measure it and you're just like oh my god this is so embarrassing but mom people pass out the first time they pee Really? Yeah, that, that's why we do it. No, I'm glad for it. Yeah. I'm glad because for it. Because first of all, it's the teaching. In the moment. But it's to teach you, like, all of, like, the peri care and the pads and the sprays and, like, all of that stuff. But also, often moms, like, after you pee, then you pass then out. Then you pass out. Mm-hmm. It happens, like, pretty regularly. Wow. That's never happened to me. You do feel, like, woozy really and- woozy and off balance and everything. But I remember this this woman who, one of your coworkers, who um, came with me to pee the first time and then I didn't see her for like a few years I think I saw her like maybe Rafa was a baby Mm -hmm. and she came up to me on the street and I you know then you're in different clothes and you don't recognize yeah and um, she came up she's like I took care right care of you right after Carmen was born and I started like crying of course you're the one who helped me pee and she was looking at me like okay I kind of regret coming up to you (laughs) because you're literally like embracing me and talking about how you peed for the first time with me but it was like such a vulnerable moment oh yeah and then since then I've gotten I've gotten better at that yeah it's hard because like we can like everyone's different with that like sometimes some people don't care at all but other people like it's hard to pee in front of someone and then you like you feel the pressure and it can take you a little while to pee that first time because of the catheter and all that but it's so like it's we always like try and like I usually turn the water on so there's yes, noise. Yes, you guys always turn the water. Turn the water on. Yeah. on yes, yes, and yes, then yes. like make conversation. And I always make moms bring their phone in because like if and with anything like once you're fixated on like having to pee, yeah, then you can't pee. And then so I'm always like look at your phone and it distracts you and then it re- relaxes your body. No, my my thing when like the peeing is like I'll just like st- like pretend that I'm like totally fine with it like uh-huh. I'm like yeah I'm like this cool like open person yeah. but no, inside no, I'm like no oh my god oh my god oh my god someone's in here and I'm trying to pee now, now I've gotten more used to it after after four kids okay the layering of the thing yeah. so witch hazel is so, a must I don't know about all hospitals I don't want to speak to all of them but most hospitals will provide you a lot of times moms will like bring their pads or mm-hmm. bring all that stuff most hospitals provide you with all of the stuff you're going to need so we have like everyone lo- everyone's obsessed with like the underwear you get from the hospital oh, I, I call it hospital thongs like it's you can't buy it anywhere else so it's wonderful they're comfortable like you can throw them away mm-hmm. they're stretchy so we have the first we have the underwear and then um, we call them chucks but it's like they're the, the, dog, the wee-wee, pads wee-wee pads for a dog pads. yeah mm-hmm. we call them chucks but yeah the wee-wee pads so we usually use the wee-wee pads like on the bottom because in the beginning you can have a lot of bleeding and you'd rather not have to change your underwear every time so that the chucks will catch it and then there's the diaper ice packs which are wonderful Mm -hmm. Um, it's essentially for people that don't know what diaper ice packs are you literally take a diaper from the baby's bassinet and you open it up in the middle like shove ice in and it works as an ice pack and a pad because normally the ice packs if it's like the ones you pop it doesn't absorb the blood and it's like a disaster of like mess so you use the ice pack and the pad, the diaper ice pack. And then we have witch hazel pads, which you usually will then line on the top of the pad. Mm-hmm. And that helps if you have hemorrhoids or just swelling. And it's just like a really nice thing. If you have like a, if you have a fridge in your room, you should put the witch hazel pads in the fridge because when they're cold, they're it nice feels even cold. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then we use Dermaplast, which is like a that numbing spray. spray. That oh, spray. the spray is so good, The spray too. is wonderful. And then um, also like a little peri bottle, a little squirt bottle that you can fill with warm water and then use it to rinse the blood away because you don't want to be wiping too hard. And using that will decrease infection. And using it while you pee mm-hmm. that can is help better because it won't, doesn't sting as much. Yeah. That one that one's like a really... But the squirt bottles is something you always want to take home and use that while you bleed because mm-hmm. it decreases no, it's, infection. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I it. always like now at the point I've like learned to where to find these things. Uh-huh. And like even though I know I'm going to be at the hospital. I like it's part of my nesting because I'm a huge because you need to like feel I like prepared. need to have all of my stuff and I have like a whole box of like my things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just feel prepared you and feel well ready. Together. Although I have to say, the first one was the hardest. It's the only one where I had an episiotomy, mm-hmm. and then the other ones I didn't. And it wasn't like it was literally like a couple days later. I mean, other than the bleeding, it was like not a lot has happened on there. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you're lucky. More, more people. It's more common to have a lot happening in, in a lot of pain. Oh, no, of course. But I'm saying the first one, it was. And then after... It I mean, gets... Because generally with every baby, gets, the yeah. labors are easier and, and like you can push them out more quickly. Push them out more quickly. Um, and yes. Like, no, it was a definitely... You hope to make it to the hospital, some people. I don't know. I'm, I'm also lucky. People people will say like, oh, my labor was only two hours. And I'm like, I'm happy for longer labors because, again, I'm a planner. We're in Manhattan. And I, exactly. And I want him to be in exactly the, th- the right room, <laughs> exactly everything going on. My doctor has to be there. Everything needs to be going just as planned. Yeah, so you don't want the fast labors. I don't want the fast labors. No, no, no. You don't no. want the cab, baby. I, no. Oh, Alec, not. can you imagine? No, I no? can't imagine. We, no, no. This is why I don't invite him, just yes. in case anything happens. I feel like you'll have plenty of time to meet the baby you'll later. You'll be fine. You have plenty of time to meet the baby later. Um, going back to the whole breastfeeding thing. Mm-hmm. So also, um, there's these cool gel pads that you guys yes. introduced me to as well that you can put on your nipples. Yes. Those are amazing. Those are wonderful. So yeah, those you can get. And if you're using lanolin, you don't want to use the gel pads and the lanolin too. So it's essentially, for people who don't know, it's like kind of like a little silicone type yeah. circular pad. Is that because they'll they'll slip off? No, it's just like because of like what's in both of them, they're not oh, recommended. I didn't know that. So you would put them on your breast right after you breastfeed, and then you would just you can use like you don't have to wash it with soap and water after the gel pad, but you would just like rinse it off with a washcloth or a baby wipe or something mm-hmm. like that before you breastfeed, and then you can use them for like six days. You just put them back and forth in the fridge in between feedings, and they're wonderful. They're amazing. And then the lanolin is also another good thing to use if you're not using that. But in the beginning, if you express colostrum and rub that on the nipple, it actually works better than lanolin, just because the colostrum really? has all the good stuff ha- in you it. You know what, your body is. Like- like all prepared for all yeah. those things. It's like you don't really need a lot of the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Now, what about mastitis? So mastitis is when a milk duct gets clogged and it can lead to an infection. So it's really good to be aware of if you have any swollen, red, or tender areas on your breast or overall achy like you have the flu, you definitely want to give your OB a call because you can feel like crap really quickly with mastitis. Um, and if you ever do feel like you have like a clogged duct, not that's warm or tender, but if you feel like you have like a duct that's not fully emptying, as you're nursing, it's good to massage that spot to help loosen it up or sometimes change the position, the way the baby's feeding so that they'll empty um, part of the breast differently or empty I, in a different way. I had, for the first time, I had mastitis like really, really bad with my last one. I mean, I really think that my body was just so depleted from pneumonia from, from and life. absolutely everything. So on top of that, I kept on getting, thing. exactly, I kept on getting mastitis over and over oh. and over again. And I, and it comes in a triangle. Mm-hmm. So it literally like the red, the red mark looks like a triangle from it's kind of pointy where your nipple is and then comes out and it can be like in multiple places or both breasts, one breast. Um, and you really feel like you have a low grade fever. I would shiver a lot. Like yeah. It was like my bones And it happens hurt. really quick. Really, really, really quick. Um, and what I found is just like a lot of hot 
hot pads and just pushing. I mean, as much as you don't want to do it. Because it's painful. Because it's painful. Always, if you have mastitis, you always have to nurse or pump through it. Because mm-hmm. people think that you shouldn't, but it's it happens when you're not emptying your breast fully. So right. if you aren't emptying, it's not going to help the problem. Right. So always nurse during mastitis. You just continue. And then and push while you're pumping, push while you're nursing, go into the bathtub and push yeah, it. Yeah, warm before to help massage everything yeah. and loosen everything up. Yeah. And then what did I do? Is, is, do you take Motrin with it or something like that? You can take that? Motrin. Sometimes you, t- you can also need antibiotics yeah. too. To Although I tried antibiotics this last time around and it, it did work. not Work. Yeah, just talk I to think, your OB. I think it was just my body was just. You're probably already on a ton of antibiotics. I, yeah, no, and, I, my whole, but generally, like you do want to call your if you think you have it, definitely call your OB because you often do need, need antibiotics. to go on antibiotics. Absolutely, yeah. no. I think my my thing was I just, just needed to get there through. There was so it. much other stuff. There was going on. so much other stuff going on, and my poor body was just you know was done. Really, really, really unhappy. Um, if your if your child, you know, if your if your baby does go to the NICU what are some what are some things that that you would want people to to know it's if a baby has to go to NICU or anything happens it really it's a terrible thing because it's just again it's going back to it's not what you expected right um so the one thing you definitely want to do if you are wanting to to if you do want to breastfeed the baby but you're not able to breastfeed initially because the baby's on oxygen or something's going on you can't breastfeed you definitely want to start the pumping pretty pretty early on yeah. because it's all a supply and demand. So you want your milk supply, your full milk supply doesn't come in for three to five days. If it's your first baby, it'll likely be closer to that five-day mark. If it's your second or third kid, your milk comes in much quicker just because your body's done it before. Um, but so if you're not able to be stimulating with the breastfeeding, you really want to kind of get on a pumping schedule and you can talk to your, your nurses like this is all we do. So talk to your nurses, talk to lactation consultants and have them get you a pump really early on so you can start pumping. You want to like be on top of your pumping every three hours um, to get that milk supply to come in if breastfeeding is important to you. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's like the most important thing if your baby is separated from you. Continue to, t- to tell your body that your exactly, baby is still there. And your milk supply will come in and your baby will get latched on. And there's so much out there about like if the baby isn't put to the breast and breastfeeding's not going to work, like the baby will in the end, like you'll get the breastfeeding working, even if the baby has to get bottles in the beginning or you guys will figure it out. It's just you're starting it a little bit later, but breastfeeding still can work. Like that's an important thing for moms to know. If you can't breastfeed in the beginning for whatever reason. Doesn't mean it won't happen. It doesn't mean it won't happen. You know what's funny about it as well? You know, I mean, we talk on Mom Brain a lot about mom guilt. Oh, so. And everything feels like it's our fault. And I have to say from having four different kids who, yes, Rafa was in the NICU for a little bit. They took Carmen away right away. Like they didn't put her on me right away because there was some meconium in her Mm -hmm. water and they just wanted to make sure she was okay. She was 100% fine. And then Rafa, or sorry, Leo and Romeo, they put them on my chest right away. And it was like the most amazing thing. But it was, you know, my third and fourth kid were the first times that that happened. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, so much, for, I, be, even though they had very similar things where I breastfed them from the beginning and everything, there there is that feeling of like, you know, moms can say, oh, well, my my baby was in the NICU or my baby was taken away from me or I didn't, you know, keep the, the cord attached for X number of seconds or I didn't do this. So it's all my fault. Always. And in the end, I feel like if people should just release themselves a little bit of yeah, that guilt. Society puts all this pressure on because 
that's what everyone's telling you to do and what you have to do. And if you don't do that, like you're not a good mom and it's just not the case. But that's that's the whole thing that we wanted to do here on Mom Brain was simply provide lots of different options. And we'll have guests on with different opinions and stuff like that. And we're never like, OK, this is what no, you have to do. No, because it's not. Exactly. It's, it's Every kid is different. Every family is different. Like it's just you have to figure out what works for you and not feel bad for doing what works for you because it's your family at the end of the day. Like. You do what's best for you because that is what's best for your baby. Okay. I know that we have to let you go, but I do want to talk about the magic of the swaddle oh, because let me tell you something. Swaddling is key to life. It's, okay. Swaddling is key to life. And even though I've had four kids, every single time I watch a nurse like swaddle my baby for those like two days that I'm in the hospital, I'm like really kind of jealous because I can't do it like you guys no, do it. No, do you know how many times I've been recorded of like doing the swaddle? I it's, I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years. I think just the more you're doing it, people love like the Velcro swaddles. I'm terrible at the Velcro swaddles. Like I can't do the Velcro. But yeah, figuring out some variation of swaddling, whether it's like with the like a, a blanket that doesn't have the Velcro, some sort of swaddle is great. So the reason babies love to be swaddled is for nine months they're inside your stomach and that snug feeling of not being able to move is how they feel safe. secure and mm-hmm. safe. And then babies also have a, uh, we call it the Mora reflex, but it's a startle reflex. So their nervous system isn't fully developed when they're born. So if they hear something or a, a loud noise, they jump and they startle and they wake themselves up. Mm-hmm. So being swaddled helps prevent them from waking themselves up. No, it's amazing. They make them like that. And they look so cute. They're like little little, little tiny burrito. It's the cutest thing in the world. And the moment like you finish, they they'll freak out while you're doing because they're they don't want to be like messed with. And like the moment you pull that last thing around, they're like, oh, I'm okay with it. (laughs) It, Like that's what you were doing. It's really cute. I I think I had told you this of one of them. But so Leo didn't pass because they did his hearing test like very soon to his morning. He didn't pass his first hearing test. Which is also pretty common for which i heard is common but when they tell you that you're it's, like oh no i know it's just so, the fluid retention and they in had the someone ears. come in and she was just like he didn't pass his, his test and i'm like ready to cry of course. And i'm like what so that entire night because of that reflex the the, the more reflex i was like you loved it because you knew making <laughs> i was like making sounds and like really like like fast high pitch sounds like clapping all this kind of stuff and i was like did he move or did he just move in that moment i was like re Researching, so you know, yeah. sign language. I was like, okay. by by the throughout the night, I was completely fluent in sign language. No, I'm kidding. Um, and then in the morning, they came and did the same test, and, and they're passed. like, "He's fine. He's fine." I guess the other thing you helped me out was with Romeo's name. Yeah. Oh Remember my that? god, I had the no struggle idea was real. What his name was. But you had blankets with a different name on it. <laughs> his name was supposed to be Diego. Yeah, Diego. You had blankets. Yeah, and then, I had blankets and, then and towels. Wasn't and a, one and of them asking like when he came home, yeah, like, "Where's Diego?" Rafa was like, "Where's Diego?" Okay, great. You brought this baby home, but what happened to Diego? Where's this guy, Diego? And I was like, "I well, you know what? He didn't look like a Diego. His name was Romeo." Yeah. So oh, that was that was that hard, was... and everybody was very against the name Romeo too because they were like, "Oh, he's going to be like made fun of so much," and I'm like, "Whatever." It's, but yeah, that was the struggle was real. The struggle, the struggle was real. <laughs> Katie wrote on there was the, like a the, whole uh, list, like, yeah, of like all these different names and different combinations, and she like wrote it on this whiteboard, and I just like was like staring at it for two days, pretty much. <laughs> and then there's that moment where you have to write it down. You like, have to okay, hand the birth certificate before committing. you leave. We literally have parents that are like filling out the birth certificate in the wheelchair. Like yes. as they're leaving. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. I believe it. Okay, so one thing that we do here on Mom Brain is we ask what your favorite thing is. Probably what would be really interesting would be like your favorite postpartum thing or your favorite 
like for a for a mom? I would say my favorite thing I'd recommend is the Dermaplast and stocking up on that. Dermaplast is a spray that's a numbing spray that you can spray in your perineal area after you have a baby. And it makes the pain it just the like pain so much better. I yes, yes, it is a very much must yes, must for vaginals though. For vaginals. Oh, oh yeah, no, I I was yeah, I would say if I don't I haven't had a C-section, yes. but if you do have vaginal birth, that one is a must. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Mom was my conversation with Katie. You know, having having a baby, you get so connected, or at least I did, with my doctor and the nurses that work in my doctor's office. I absolutely love them. I miss them after I have my baby. I'm like, wait a Aww. second, but we hung out every single week, and you just feel this like weird like separation. And of course, like you guys completed your mission, and you had your baby, and you know everything is fine, and you went on. Ho- hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but these people, these nurses, um, they, they just are absolutely, um, super, super, super heroes. And they do, you're absolutely right about the feeling they instill in you. Look, you can have had zero children, 10 children. You always feel like a new mom that first day, especially. And I feel like the feeling that I always had from my labor and delivery nurses, first of all, in the actual process of delivery. Um, when I was giving birth to Domenica, I remember, um, you know, I was there laboring and, you know, in my full sort of cat cow pose or whatever, just trying to breathe and and issue the guttural noises that supposedly like the vibrations help limit the pain <laughs> and the whole thing. And it was so funny because the nurse at that time came over and she was like, you know, we don't really see a lot of people like you on this floor. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, normally people who come here are getting epidurals. Like they're not, they're not trying to do this whole, you know, they're not looking to go through all of this. And um, she was the person who, who in many ways made me feel like I, I was getting through it. I was progressing because I think a lot of the process can feel like you reach these plateaus and then nothing's changing except the pain just keeps happening. And um, she made me feel at ease and she made me feel comfortable and she helped me through the process. And then on the other side of giving birth, they're the women who come in and remind you of things you might have forgotten and make you feel okay and and remind you of how much of a shared experience this is with so many other women in the hospital at that exact moment and you know millions of women all around you uh, the world over so i just i feel like it's a really special calling that these that these nurses have to bring life into the world in the most soothing and calming and happy way possible and now it's time for our favorite things time for our favorite thing. Yes! Okay, so my favorite thing um, this time actually is good for pre-delivery, post-delivery, and if you're trying to conceive. Um, so I spent the summer out in LA. I was um, judging MasterChef Junior, and I got a chance to meet with a couple prenatal specialists who I've been obsessing over from a distance, and I've never had a chance to get to see them. So one of them was this doula who I think we're going to hopefully have on the podcast. Her name's Lori Bregman, and she is um, just an all-around rad woman. Because I'm just, I'm always intrigued by doulas. I've never had one, and I'm always sort of curious 
curious about that experience and how they're able to support mom through that through the, through not just the whole pregnancy but also a delivery itself post delivery etc but she created this company called seed life and it's three different smoothie blends one for fertility one for um, prenatal and one for new mom which is you know breast breastfeeding supportive and just general body rehabilitation supportive and I have to tell you I've been drinking the prenatal smoothie uh, most mornings and I love it. And this is something that I struggled with was like finding a good protein smoothie blend that I thought was pregnancy safe and and baby supportive and not, you know, overdoing it, but also um, just an easy fast breakfast for me to take on the run. And it's been something that I've really been happy to have this pregnancy that I did not have the last time. Okay. So my favorite thing this week is a black Boca Terry women's bathrobe that I got on Amazon that I take out Absolutely every single time I am going to go to the hospital and it's part of my hospital bag. And it's, um, you know, this thing that's cozy and especially, you know, you just have a baby and you're in like your aches and pains and they have robes there in the hospital. But they're not very cozy. Um, so it, it does feel nice to be wrapped up in something and, you know, you're going to end up bleeding on anything. So, you know, why not make it be black and you can't actually see it? Of course, you're going to either wash it or throw it away or something afterwards. We're not being gross here um, that we can't see something. So we're just going to leave it there. But it is kind of nice to be in this very, like, cozy, cozy uh, bathrobe. So that's my favorite thing. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we love when you rate, when you subscribe, when you review, hopefully happy reviews. Although we also love to hear from you more things that you want to hear on the podcast or that you want us to go deeper on. We are mombrainpod at gmail.com for um, for your emails and, and we love receiving those from you. And we actually do a number of mom mail episodes where we answer questions. Um, so do send us send us your notes, you know, late at night type away. Um, and we're also on Instagram at MomBrain and we're on YouTube now in case you feel like just getting a little more video content from me and Alaria. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. This is MomBrain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.